Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. You know, when we're out and about meeting people, um, you know, live events or different things, I I'm always so encouraged by the richness of our country, the the different skills that people yes. you know bring to the table, and and then um, the different ways that people can say, "Hey, this is kind of what I do or what I have to offer," and they bring that you know to the mm-hmm. table, and it's like, "Wow, that's it's powerful." I, I I would have no idea how to do that. Like you were made to do this specific thing, and so you meet some really amazing folks. And like, if you turn off your TV and you like get out of your house, and especially turn off the news, but get out of your house and you're and you actually out there with real humans. There's some great people in this country, and for some of you, this can be kind of encouraging because there's some really great. Younger people and talented. Talent, and the older I get, the more younger people there are. That is they true. just kind of keep, keep the number. Keeps, <laughs> we just keep getting older. That, they keep getting that younger. number multiplies uh, <laughs> by the day, and uh, we're excited to introduce you to one right now. Um, fine art by Jessica Jessica Louise Wright. Yay! <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited. Uh, hey. We are so excited for you to join us on the show today. So we met you several months ago. I think it was like August of 2022, something like that. Um, and you actually came up to us, talked to us about your art, and then you ended up mailing a picture of us to us that you had drawn, which was absolutely incredible. We were blown away. You are so talented. Thank you so much. I, I mean, just, look at I that. <laughs> I love using my art as a thank you to those who have continually fought for this country and the kingdom of God, such as yourselves, and have encouraged me to do so as well. So I, I love it because I, I think you, you, you drew me a little thinner than I really am. And so I think that's a win. Um, if you have, you know, like artistic license, you know, you used it, you used it for a good cause. So we, 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 we appreciate that. But let's, let's back up a little bit on, on this process. You, you know, art, you grow up in different kinds of art. And how did that get involved? Then how did you turn it into like a patriot art skill, you know, where it's actually making a difference, getting out a message. It's fascinating. Tell us your story about college. Cause I think that'll be really fascinating for people. Yeah. So in college is really when I came to know the love of Jesus and all of its fullness. Um, he delivered me from the demonic forces attempting to lead me astray from his path. And um, he removed the worldly desires from my heart. And so as my relationship with God progressed, I began incorporating my beliefs into my artwork um, as a means of bringing glory to his name and sharing my newfound joy with the people around me. Um, I never meant to create anything as a means of harming others or offending others. I just wanted to use my art as a thank you um, to God who gave me the gift of art and to use the work of my hands to bring glory to God who gave me these hands. And it was my desire to really allow the Holy Spirit to work through me and allow the rivers of God's unfailing love and goodness to just flow through me and onto the lives of others who came in contact with my work. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't take long before I began receiving a lot of pushback from my professors. Um, Once I started putting the word of God on display through my work, the chair of the department at the time sat me down and told me that 98% of the professors did not want to accept me into the program in the first place because of my Christian-based work. Um, It was relayed to me that the only reason I was sitting in that room in the first place was because I had strong technical skills as an artist and I had a (laughs) 4.0. Judy Garland said, become so good they can't ignore you. True. And, and I think that's that's you. 
Yeah, oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, throughout this conversation, this person continually implied that I should start a new body of secular artwork and stop making Christian artwork altogether. And if I did continue to cre- create Christian artwork, it was implied that I wouldn't have the best time working with my professors. So <laughs> this conversation really set the tone for the rest of my time at the university. Um, But at the end of the day, I didn't listen. I knew God's opinion of me and the work of my hands far outweighed the opinions of my professors. And I knew that I had a choice, appease my professors and sacrifice my identity in Christ, or I could continue to honor God. Um, And I knew that there was a reason and I didn't want to miss a spiritual move of God in my life. So I kept creating work for his glory and I put my full trust in him. Um, So after this, I sat through many uncomfortable critiques. Um, I met with a committee of professors somewhat regularly. I was told I should have gone to Bible school. Uh, It was foolish of me to choose a secular university. Making Christian artwork would prevent me from becoming successful. There was no money in Christianity. I mean, you name it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, eventually I hit a point where I felt like I wasn't making headway for the kingdom of heaven. And I had this constant inner battle because on one hand, I wanted to keep going and doing whatever I could to spread the gospel. But on the other, I knew I wouldn't be able to get through to my professors. And I wanted to leave the university and I prayed to God for answers and then discernment to know uh, his voice. And um, God responded to those desires in my heart and urged me to leave. So I got my bachelor's degree and I left my second degree incomplete. And after I left, I started my own business. And your business is booming. There, I mean, as Colton was actually going through these pictures, I'm thinking, I need that one. Yeah. Were you we, have, we, have, we have three, but I'm like, that's a great I one. Know. That's a these, great one. The ones that we have so far. I love this one. This is absolutely amazing. We have these hanging um, it, right by where we go by all the time. But I'm, as I'm looking at these pictures as Colton's scrolling through them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I Let, need let's, that. Let's go back to that one of the lion. Let's the talk lion, about the, the, the lion with the, the, the split face there. Let's yeah. talk about that and tell us the story of, of that piece that you brought to the marketplace. Because it's like, you know, there's a song, I don't know, it's probably dated. They used to sing this, this uh, song when I was a kid, like Sunday school and stuff. It's called This Little Light of Mine. You know, I'm going to let it shine, you know, and this whole idea and like not hiding it, you know, away. And I think that's what they were trying to do. And you you just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to turn up my light even brighter yep. and take it into the marketplace. It's like, you didn't want me to do this in school. I'm going to take this in the marketplace. I'm going to have thousands of people, you know, uh, have this in their homes. So, so talk about this one and what was kind of your inspiration for that? And where do you even come up with an idea like this? Yeah, so somebody actually requested this piece from me. They asked if I could do a portrait of Trump's face overlaying a lion's face. And I played around with the idea for a while and I couldn't get it to a point where it wouldn't look tacky. So um, because Trump would just end up looking like he was wearing a a lion mask and it just it wasn't working out. So this is the best I could come up with. Um, And it's called King of the Jungle because he is the king of the government jungle. And um yeah, he's he's got this. <laughs> it's a great picture. I catch myself sometimes just staring at Me it because it's like, again, if 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 you have the only thing less than than my uh, drawing capability would be my dancing capability, <laughs> like on the the scale of like things I stink at, you know. Um, and uh, so, it, it, for me, it, it's almost like magical. To how could you possibly draw something that looks like something, and then where you start to blend things like that, where it's multiple meetings and layers of drawings within one. And you That's had the such flag a gift. in there. I mean, that is is absolutely incredible. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it took a while for me to get to that point where I was just completely unapologetically myself through my artwork. Um, and where I am as an artist today is really a testament to God's love. I was always the quiet kid growing up. I've always been an introvert, always struggled with anxiety to rather unbearable extents. And so for God to look at little old me and say, hey, I know what you're struggling with, but I'm going to use you. Your life will serve a higher purpose. And the ways you overcome your struggles in my name will be a testament to my faithfulness. Wow. That really my heart. And so um, the thing is, God sees everybody and everybody has higher purpose. And what a blessing that is to know that every single person, no matter where you come from or where you are in life, what you struggle with, every single person can make a positive impact uh, for the kingdom of heaven. I just think that's so beautiful. Um, so now I'm just, I'm making patriotic, God glorifying artwork and I'm not sorry Man. about it. <laughs> That is we're heading into Christmas is a good time for people to find something unique. Cause after a little while, it's like, yeah, you know, dad needs another tie. Dad doesn't wear ties anymore. (laughs) You know, he doesn't need another bottle of like brute by Fabergé or anything (laughs) like that. You know, he's like, I need a, need something unique. Um, uh, go to the one of Trump on his knee. I like to hear your, your take on that and kind of what that means to you. Uh, if we can bring that one back up. Yeah, so this piece is called um, One Nation Under God, and it depicts Trump praying. And um, to me, this piece serves as a testament to the faithfulness of God, because even in some of our darkest times as a nation, um, God has never given up on us and he never will. And this country was built on God and the key to reviving this country is bringing God back. So I firmly believe that Trump will do that when he's president and he will well, be president. That, well, it ties yes. into the prophetic words. It um, sure does. You know, that, that I don't want to make sure people are clear. It's not like when you, you know, kind of go back, go back to that picture. If you can kind of keep that up there a minute of, of Trump on his knee, because you know, some people say, oh, you're trying to make a God out of Trump and this kind of stuff. It's like, no, we need a leader that doesn't answer to man, Mm -hmm. but fully is surrendered humbly on his knee, submitting his ego and his agenda to God filled with the Holy Spirit and the Kim Clement prophecies. There's, there's so much about that happening. And I don't want Trump to have a second term because he's super cool or because Mm -hmm. I, I think he's talented. We need the guy that, that, that God has his hand on and a willing, like humble, humble. servant of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that represents. So that's why we have that specific one hanging up mm-hmm. in our office. Cause I like, I see that. I pray about that. I'm like, God, just fill him with your with presence, your, yep. surround him with, with, with wisdom and, and mm-hmm. people that are also submitted, you know, to your will. And I, I think that's what that represents in a really great way. Um, okay. Yeah. So Jessica, uh, tell us again, this art that we're looking at, it's, it's done with pencils, right? Isn't that how you do it? Yes, it's done with charcoal. <laughs> okay, so it's done with charcoal, which is so cool. Um, okay, so when people, they go to your website, they want to order a print, walk us through that process. They go to fineartbyjessica.com, uh, and it's J-E-S-S-I-C-A. So if you're listening, it's fineartbyjessica, J-E-S-S-I-C-A.com. Uh, so walk us through this process of how do they purchase the art? Yeah. So on my website, you will find a tab titled store. And if you click on that tab, you can find limited edition prints and um, unlimited edition prints. And you can just find the one you want, um, add it to your cart and buy it. And if you're interested in purchasing custom work or commissioned work, um, I am available to do that as well. All you have to do is shoot me an email with your requests and I will get back to you with a quote. You can do one of me with a six pack. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Like, how much would that cost me? Put a six pack on there. It'd be good. Um, I, 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 I love these. So people can buy an original one 
or or prints of them. Mm-hmm. Either way. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And is it is it too late to get it done by Christmas? Um, I'm a little backed up right now. I could do my best if um, there is a little bit of a uh, a rush fee, but I could make it happen. But the prints are all ready to go, and and yes, you can ship them go. out. That's, yeah. that's and then amazing. will you be in Tulare, uh, California, December the fifteenth and sixteenth? Yes, I will. So come find me. <laughs> that is great. You get to meet her in person as well. So- amazing family. I also want to highlight that that you guys do a lot together with your family. You know, your mom is is with you, and I, I just think it's a really. Uh, it's an encouraging thing if people just, again, if you're watching the TV all the time, you're like, ah, this next generation and people, you know, the multi-generations not getting together and all this stuff, like to see your family work together and the way you, they, 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 you know, all are on board to support. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing to see. And it's so encouraging, you know, that there's also a lot more just like you that love God, love our country and are actually doing something mm-hmm. productive. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's It's been such a blessing. And I'm so blessed to be surrounded by so many people who are just led by the Spirit. And um, people that have encouraged me as a Gen Z follower of Christ to do for the kingdom of God the beautiful things that they are doing as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I thank God every day for my family and their support. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. So well, you've got a great one. So Flyover Family, go to Fine Art by Jessica com find art by jessica.com there there you are oh look at that there's the fam right oh, there you're a whole flock of patriots i love <laughs> it i love it so jessica thank you so much for your time we look for, forward to seeing you in tulare yeah i'll see you guys soon thank you guys so much for having me this was wonderful our founding fathers evolved the idea that you and i have within ourselves the god-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Okay, Flyover family, I am so excited about today's interview. This is a couple we actually met in January um, of 2022, I believe, in Arizona. They shared the story, a testimony that was absolutely amazing. They've since then moved to Warrior, Alabama to Church International with with Pastor Robin and Prophet Robin. So we get to see them every once in a while. But their story is so incredible. We had to share it. One of with our favorite stories we've ever heard. It is. It, I share it all the time. So I can't wait to actually hear it from the sources. Welcome to the show, Connie and Reed Barfield. Welcome. We're excited to have you guys Hi. on and share this, but uh, if if you mess up on any of the details, she'll probably correct you and yeah. make sure that it's right. So <laughs> you're, you're being fact-checked on your own story in real time. Exactly. So I need it. We want to stay out of your way because we do have limited time with you all today, but we want everyone to hear this incredible story of a miracle that happened in Reed's life. So fill us in. We'll let you all take over. You want to start? You uh, Well, everything started... Uh, 
It was February 3rd of 2019, Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. Uh, we had gathered with family and friends, and uh, during the halftime show, uh, I had the Widowmaker heart attack. Um, that's where my part of it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but I can do that little bit of an intro for it. <laughs> So the gist of it was, I didn't know he had a heart attack. I didn't know what was going on. I actually heard sounds from him and he was making a face. And I thought, what are you doing? Like, you're being weird. And it was a couple of seconds that it took me to realize something's not okay. And to call 911 and get emergency help. And from there, it was just a blur. I saw things, I heard things a wife is not supposed to witness um, or any human probably. Um, and I couldn't tell you how long they worked on him in our home. Uh, he eventually was transported to the hospital and I still had no clue it was a heart attack. I didn't know what happened. Um, and then when we got to the hospital, they took him, um, into a room and I remember telling my son, um, don't let me go anywhere by myself, like in a room by myself. Cause I've, I've experienced that in an, in another story, part of my testimony, but, um, I knew I didn't want to be alone. And I also knew I needed to be in worship. And I kept requesting everybody put on worship music, put on worship music. It was a Sunday. And I said, we played a song at church today. Anyways, I just needed to sit in my father's lap, had no clue for, I don't even know, it feels like forever before they let us go see him, um, his daughter and I still didn't, nobody had told me it was a heart attack. Um, I was able to talk to him a little bit and then he, we lost him again. They rushed us out and then they rushed him into an emergency surgery. At the end of that surgery was when I was told that he had a heart attack. They put um, three stents in his heart and essentially it was, if he makes it through the night, that's going to be right there. It'll be a miracle. And they hooked him up to a vest that would freeze him for 30 minutes, warm up for 30 minutes, trying to preserve all the organs and he um, obviously he made it through the night. The next day um, they said there was something else they wanted to try because everything was still so. Um, it was failing. Horrible. Everything was failing. So they rushed him in for a second surgery for a machine called the impella, which is to take pressure off the heart. So it does it, the, the heart and the machine dance. So every other beat is for the impella. It was in that surgery that his cardiologist pulled me into a room. Luckily, he said everybody could come in. So to me, I was like, yes, good news. <laughs> and in that situation was when he held my hands and gave me the info that um, technically Reed was already gone. They had him reconnected to life support so that everybody could come in because he's from the Carolinas. We were in Arizona at the time. Um, and that his every organ was in complete shutdown. The heart was non-responsive. It was the machine. It was falling flat, and the heart was dead. Mm. Um, and um, there's a whole longer story of all of that situation in that. But they said we're going to get him moved back to his room and get him cleaned up. You need to call everybody in. Um, they need to say their goodbyes. I said, I won't pull the plug. They said, you won't have to by morning. We'll start slowly lowering the machine and his body's just going to give out because everything has completely shut down. And, um, God was in the room 
and people did start showing up and I had um, this constant fight that I was in with what I was seeing with the natural eye and what my spirit was speaking. And um, I remember at one point I said something, I couldn't tell you what it was, but it must have sounded negative to the Lord. And my mom like snapped at me and I said, no, no, I'm not saying he doesn't sit on the throne. And I remember looking up at the ceiling in this room and I said, I know that you sit on the throne and I, and I will still serve you, but I'm going to fight you for him. Wow. And, and I just remember that. And I remember also being really upset because everybody wanted me to accept what was happening. And I was like, they all like, where is your faith? Like, just meet me here. And anyway, so late that night after everybody had come and, and done their stuff and said goodbyes and I mean, people flew in and stuff. The nurse, this is the God, like another just God thing. The nurse on his own slowly or turned off um, sedation so that he could wake up. Um, and he did. He woke up. He opened his eyes. And so we were kind of like, what the heck? Well, earlier, I'm so sorry. Earlier, when everybody was in the room out of nowhere, his left leg kicked up and we were all like, what was that? And they had to do this whole thing of, when the brainstem is dying, the body has involuntary movement, blah, blah, blah. And they explain all those things to you. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, no, there's something else happening. Like I learned that day how deep our spirit is, like mm. how deep you can pull down into the core to search and to actually sit with Holy Spirit and like, okay, like regroup and, and strengthen yourself as, as you're in this fight. And um, because nobody in my room was in the same place that I was. Everybody else had accepted it. And I was really just battling with the Lord because I had already surrendered in another situation when my daughter died many years earlier. And so I was like, no, I understood what grief was in a different way. And so I was just going through my own thing. And so anyway, hey, hey, Connie, so from, from the moment in this halftime of the Super Bowl, these symptoms kicked in, you know, um, with the, with a heart attack, you call 911, ambulance comes mm -hmm. from that moment. Uh, Reed, were you in any kind of communication or any space? Or were you like, like blacked out, uh, like a coma type state? Like, was there any, was there any connection between the two of you verbally or any other signs from that moment forward? No, for me. Uh, and I think it's, uh, one of the provisions of God in this situation because of everything and how traumatic it was for my body. I'm actually glad I don't remember it. And, uh, I actually lost a little bit of time before. So probably a week before, because I didn't even realize who had won the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. So okay. I don't have memory of that or, uh, a big portion of the time in the hospital. So, that part's still blank. Uh, I pretty much woke up when I was in rehab and they were trying to get me to pass a swallow test. So it was much later into the story. So wow. okay, I'd so already learned to walk again and all of that, but I have no actual memory of it. Wow. Okay. So Connie, when were you out on the street looking up at the hospital room mm -hmm. with the angel? You got to share that because that is so powerful. I'll never forget that story. So that was, well, 
So that part was after we had obviously made it from the first hospital to the second. So at the first hospital, because of that night, him not actually dying, when his cardiologist came in, um, he was like, I'm sorry that it looks positive, but there's no way. 54 minutes of oxygen to the brain. It's paper mache, add water, it disintegrates kind of stuff. And I was, I laid hands on his head and started praying. And he said, no, Miss Barfield, he's in complete organ failure. Nothing's responsive. I laid hands on him and started praying. And he got frustrated. I got frustrated. And I said, you're divinely appointed to be my husband's physician. And I'm not here to undermine you. But your science and education and my faith, just dance with me. Don't quit on this man. Woo! And he wouldn't. He, <laughs> he wouldn't. And I got frustrated and turned to everybody that was in the hospital room with me. And at that very moment, God had a double rainbow placed outside his hospital room. And it was game on from there. I knew this man would live and make a full recovery. And I confessed that over him every day. And I told every person that worked on him, get on board with that because he's going to live and he'll make a full recovery, a complete and total. So anyways, now we fast forward to the next hospital because he didn't die. That same doctor who said that to me that day, the next day said, Miss um, Barfield, I'll be your husband's primary care cardiologist when he recovers. I can't wait to meet him. And they put him on a helicopter and sent him to the next hospital. Wow. So at the next hospital, he was in a coma for 10 days. Um, after on uh, the 13th of February was when he came out of off of intubation and all of that full life support. They and he was awake. And um, gosh, it was there were so many things that happened. He'd go into AFib. He'd have he had just other things that still happened, and he'd get taken in for another surgery and all of this stuff. And there'd be little glimpses of just the raddest things. Um, him out breathing his breathing machine when he was still on life support and, and different things like that. Um, they removed the impella two days after he got to that hospital because they said his heart's beating stronger and faster than the machine can keep up with. Wow. Four days after, yeah. And so anyways, one day they had to take him in for another thing and I was exhausted. I lived at the hospital for the first 16 days and just contended all the time. And and I would pray with him every day, even while he was in a coma. We would do worship songs every day. And then I made sure that worship music just flooded his room at all times. And um, I never allowed anybody to talk to him, especially while he was in a coma, like he was a body in a bed. I would introduce him formally to every person and, and make sure that they knew that this was my husband that they were talking to. And I had one of my most amazing girlfriends. She was kind of, I called her my worship leader. She would just, she didn't care what time it was. She didn't care if she was invited in. She would just, as God would put stuff on her, she would send me stuff and she would feed me songs to add to our playlist. And she had sent the um, Raise a Hallelujah. And he had gotten taken. I think he went in for dialysis at the time. And he used to do like six hour dialysis every day. And I went outside and I was marching up and down the street because I was just so exhausted. You know, when you're so exhausted, you can't even get full breath mm -hmm. yeah. to just even speak. And I had my earbuds in and I just was playing that song over and over and walking up and down the sidewalk along the hospital and just weeping and contending for him. And, and, um, I had said to the Lord, like, don't take him from me. You know, we just got him. And it seems like one thing after another, but I believe you and I trust you. I, I just, I know you're doing something here. And, but I felt so alone. And I remember praying over his wing of the hospital. And as I turned to look at it, as far as the eye can see from the ground all the way up, and I can still right now visually see it. It's that strong of an image. Um, all the way around that wing up into the heavens was just, people, not 
angels in the sense of wings and halos and stuff, just people that look like us. And in that moment, he showed me who all was contending heaven for him because we had reached so many people through social media. His story was being shared and just people that we don't know that one day I pray I get to see their beautiful faces. Um, just battling Wow. for him. And it was the raddest thing. Our prayers all matter and they're counted and they're acknowledged. That's beautiful. And God showed you that. That is absolutely incredible. Okay. So we kind of got you a little off there. Um, I just want to kind of, because I know the listeners are probably thinking, okay, so what happened when they said we're going to take him off the machine and uh, the family had come in, but then he was taking off the drip and his eyes opened. I just want to take you back to that real fast. So his nurse all on his own, none of us knew he was going to do this, lower just his um, sedation. So he was still on the ventilator, but he was no longer being held in a, a coma. And all of a sudden his eyes opened and there was myself and a few other people and the nurse and all of that. And um, he started making gestures and he would try and reach over. We thought he was reaching for one reason. Turns out later it was because he was trying to alert us to something happening in his arm. But um, he couldn't obviously talk, but he would follow directions and blink. And then the only thing he would do was follow me with his eyes and he would just cry. And the the short version of it is my personal uh, primary care doctor is also really good friends. And she and another friend were there and just messed with him all night long until 4.30 in the morning. We would just say stuff to him and ask him, if you understand, blink, you know, like anything we could think of, we would ask him questions and, and he would blink and he would just cry and and all of that. Um, and so that was until 4.30 in the morning. At like 4.30 in the morning, they put him back under. And um, I finally fell asleep because I was excited. And an angel came into my room um, and whispered in my ear that I needed to immediately tell a doctor when they walked in to take the DNR out of his file. Because the day before, when the doctor said he's gone, I apparently, I don't recall it, but I trust his doctor. I said, let it like, don't try anything more type of thing. I don't know why I would say that because I was contending for him, but um, I was notified that that was in his file and I didn't know that it was there. And so she said, this angel said, take that, tell them, you have to verbally tell them, get that out of there. So I did. So they removed it because there was a DNR suddenly put in his um, thing. Mm -hmm. Then that's when his doctor came in and said, I'm sorry, I heard it was an eventful night. And I'm like ready to like, you know, dance kind yeah. of thing. And and he's like, no, 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 no. I can't explain what happened, but it's impossible. There's no way. And um, and that was when we went into uh, that back and forth. And then the rainbow appeared. Wow. Okay. So I, I we're on limited time. So I want to kind of fast forward <laughs> a little bit to what's going on right now, because since that I've said you were in Arizona, you moved to um, Alabama and had to get new physicians when you moved there. And another miracle has happened since you've been there, kind of what they discovered when you went to this new physician. Well, just uh, a lot of things they're uh, wanting to do a case study with uh, UAB and the VA just looking at everything. And uh, when we got the call back from the cardiologist the first time, he was telling us this. 
and then he called back a couple days later. Well, after after the uh, CT yeah. and stress test. So he started seeing the VA here in Alabama, um, and that that physician the first time he saw him, he admitted to him. I stayed awake all night reading your file because. Yeah. He's like, so Reed's primary care cardiologist in Arizona is still his primary care cardiologist. Yeah. He's working with the VA. They share a portal on Reed. Okay. And so they were going over it and he was like, what? Uh, he couldn't believe it. The next morning, you and I were talking in the kitchen and I was like, how fun was that to tell this doctor who's never heard this? Because telling his story is always fun and rad to tell medical professionals. Oh, yeah. funner Because <laughs> when you tell them all of the details, they're like, what? And I explained peeps and all of the different things and, and how it went. And they're just like, no way. So anyways, while we were laughing about it, it was when you got the first phone call and, and the guy says, so I got my um, supervisor involved in your in your story. And he happens to be really very good friends with the head instructor at UAB of cardiology. And he says, and I'm going to let you know, the three of us have been on the phone all morning with Dr. Quinn in Arizona. And we want to do a case study on you. So they started setting up all of these appointments for him where they're checking all of his stuff. So he had to wear a heart monitor and he was doing heart mapping and echoes and MRIs, all these different things. Yeah. And that was when the newest thing that's just. So I have always contended that he was having that he would have a complete and total healing. So we decree all the time that those three stents would be dissolved. Dissolved. So he got a call. Not go ahead. Yeah. So basically, the cardiologist, what he was saying was, um, so they're looking over thing, everything, all the results, um, how everything looks, and what he was uh, explaining to us is everything looks great. Uh, the stress test, all the results are great. Uh, they're looking at everything. He actually said, if it wasn't for the three stents in your heart. I wouldn't know that you ever had a heart attack. There'd be no evidence that anything ever happened. If you wow. don't look at medical records be, and the heart, just like the brain, just like the kidneys will always show a bruise or show can show damage. His heart is at a hundred percent and shows if it wasn't for the stents, there'd be no evidence that it ever happened. That is a miracle. So the thing that you've been actually praying would kind of disappear is actually pointing to a miracle that actually happened wow yep. in reed's body yep 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 that's the proof we dream it up <laughs> we dream it up but god does it so much bigger than we can even think of yeah mm -hmm. i mean that is it just blows my mind every time i hear your story like yeah as you could tell i tell it often i mean i know about the street and all of that because it's so exciting yeah. because it's not just things that we read about in the bible it's not just you know, Jesus praying for somebody and they get healed. We're seeing these things today and we're going to see it more and more and more. Yes. In fact, you guys just came out of a church service on Sunday um, that there was miracles. A blind person can now see. Yes. Yeah. That was, and it was so rad. It, what's really rad about it is we know him personally. Um, and so we've watched him for all those months coming in and out. Um, there was multiple people, arthritic hands. Uh, we know some of those people also very personally. Yeah. And then this um, woman at the end who stood, who has not been able to stand up straight. I don't even know how, how many years um, and needs assistance with a walker and all this other stuff. 
And God actually told Reed or gave Reed a dream in the end of May specifically about that woman and showed that she would be. So she's aware of that. And he was able to share that with her and stuff. And I had to stay home Sunday because I woke (laughs) up with um, at three o'clock in the morning with a migraine. Oh, no. That just. Yeah. So he was in person. I was watching from home. And while the service was happening, immediately my migraine left. Wow. No residual yeah. of it, nothing. That is yep. so incredible. I love it. God is absolutely good. He is absolutely yes. and, and he's still good. on the throne and he still heals. Yep. And those Amen. things are not of the Amen. past. They're today. And I think I think there's even bigger and better and more healings yes. ahead than ever before. I think we're yes. entering into a, a, an era where that People always want, I want things to go back to the normal, you know, like before COVID or I want all these, no. norm- I, I think we're going to have a new normal and it's going to be more yes. stories like this. That yes. is exactly yes. right. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us today. I could not wait for the Flyover family to hear this story and it keeps getting better and better and better because God always does yes. that. So thank yes. you so much for your time. Thank you for your willingness to share. Thank you for being a part of the Flyover family. We sure love you and we're so excited we to be able to share it with the family. Hello, Flyover family. Join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. All right, let's get our stuff together here. Hi, I'm David Whitey. <laughs> if we can skip the hi, my name's David part, because that's where I got it tend to derail. Hi. But I did good. See, look. First thing says, say your name. Say your name, David Whitey. Have you been wondering what to do with the spare time you have on Saturday mornings? Have I got a way for you to fill that time? Not cleaning your garage, folding your laundry, or doing something with yourself. Filling your head with worthless information about what may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or about chemtrails in the sky? Or have you ever had a friend at at school talk to you about... Friend at school. (laughs) Some days when you're sitting there with your lunch pail and you're talking to your friend in school, they, they bring up your flat earth and you think it's a flat earth. I don't know if your flat earth is flat or not. I don't know. Alligators are angry because they got all those teeth and no toothbrush. And it's all true. And we talk about it every Saturday. <laughs> we talk about Rubik's Cubes and stuff. <laughs> we like to have conversations with people that have made documentaries, written books. Oh, this is terrible. I can like feel myself hating watching this later. Okay, give me a swoosh. Let's do this thing for real this time. Bye. Got a show for you. <laughs> my, my, hang on, my, my eyes red now. You won't be able to tell in there. Peter can fix it. He can run it through a filter. Can he run it through the Brad Pitt filter and get rid of the, my red eyes?
I'm probably doing the world a disservice. today? Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Everything okay, ma'am? Oh, it's just that you've only scanned a few items and it's already 60 bucks. I'm so scared. Okay, I'm a trained professional, ma'am. I've scanned a lot of groceries. I need you to stay with me. I need you to take a deep breath. We're about to do the cheese. <gasps> oh, my God. Don't look the up there. It only makes it worse. Keep your eyes on me, okay? <sighs> Can't you just scan something less expensive? Now brace yourself. I'm about to do the mixed nuts. Okay, bite down on this, Patricia. Get ready, I'm gonna do the cured meats. Oh, no, stop! I can't do this anymore! It's too late, there's a line behind you, okay? You're locked in. Son okay, your total's 25784. Oh, no! You gotta dig deep, this is the hardest part. Patricia, it's time to pay. <laughs> all jokes aside, this is incredibly good. 2001, this all would cost in Southern California $81. Let's go see how much it costs right now, today in 2023. Chef, Oreos, bread. Oh, excuse me. So I got three bags of Lay's, three gallons of Horizon whole milk, two 12 packs of soda, two packs of Oreos, cocoa pebbles, three pints of orange juice, Tropicana, three packs of bacon, Wonder Bread, three of these, four cartons of eggs, and two DiGiorno's. Here's the other thing to keep in mind. There's also shrinkflation, so you're also getting less Oreos, less potato chips. Everything smaller is, let's go see how much it costs right now, today in 2023. Here we go. Here's the final finale. $195, so it's two and a half times more. They printed $10 trillion. What do you think that's gonna do to the prices of every fixed commodity? Oh my goodness, what a hot mess. You know, um, we're gonna talk about some things in the economy that, that really drill down to how does it impact, when I say regular people, me, you, you know, uh, I don't have a jet, you probably don't have a private jet. You know, a lot of you are... Uh, you do things, you know, for a living. What are the actual real impacts of policies, elections, you know, uh, won or stolen, no matter what? There's There are uh, impacts in that, and it does affect everybody all the way through. So if you're looking at some of the stuff that's going on in the economy and you're like, man, what am I going to do where you feel isolated or, or man, this is just my unique situation. Um, I want to play you just like a, a, a few seconds of a clip. Uh, Tucker Carlson gave a speech to a, a, a large group, brought him in. It's a keynote of some sort. Um, and I'm not leaving listening to the whole thing, but I watched the beginning and I want to play you just his opening comment. And I, I think this will put some of the economics of our world in perspective because everybody on every rung is kind of seeing some of the same things. This is pretty shocking. Let's, let's, let's check this out. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Tucker Carlson, everybody. Tucker fucking Carlson is in the house. Tucker Carlson. I've never had an introduction like that. And by the way, Every introduction should come with profanity, so thank you. <laughs> I didn't hear the introduction because I was backstage with an old friend of mine um, from television who's here. I didn't expect to see him. And uh, he's probably the greatest financial analyst on television. And so I said to him, jokingly, since he deals with 
markets and, you know, real companies. I said, what, there he is right there. I said, is it crazy to bury gold in my yard? He looked me right in the face. He goes, no, it's not crazy at all. <laughs> and that kind of, compl- and I'm, by the way, I'm not giving investment advice. I'm the last person uh, you would never take investment advice from someone who's never had an actual job. Don't buy real estate from a homeless person, et cetera, et cetera. Don't uh, hire a fat person as your trainer. Um, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, I'm, 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 <laughs> right. But uh, I'm only saying that to highlight what everyone in this room already knows, which is that it's really a volatile moment. I flew out here <clears throat> across the country this morning and spent five hours texting people, mostly people I know, but also the entire mentally ill community in America has my text, so a lot of crazies too. But also a lot of people I really like and who are smart and temperate and reasonable people who've been around, who are my age, I'm 54, you know, kind of seen stuff and have measured opinions on things. And I gotta tell you, every single person I texted with, with the exception of my wife, who's not on the internet at all, was uh, angry and paranoid, seriously. And these are not crazy people. These are normal good people with like kids and stuff. So it kind of goes on, but it, it lets you know, hey, the things you're seeing, uh, people at a lot of rungs of the ladder, different views, different different positions, different you know, uh, different seats at the table, looking at what's going on, are kind of seeing, experiencing, and asking each other, what what do we do? What's the next right thing to do? Well, he listed one piece of advice there. Don't take advice from people more messed up from you in that specific area. I think it's good to have advisors in marriage and advisors in finances and your health and so forth. When it comes to uh, economics, I got a, I got a contact that has not one, but two PhDs. That's why I get my advice from. We're going to break down some of these issues today with Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We need some need some advice, Doc. Even Tucker is like, "Hey, do I? Is it? Would it be crazy if I was bearing gold in my backyard?" And the guy's like, "No, that's not crazy at all. Not right now." Well, so it, it, the reason that that's not crazy is because we we've got to start thinking differently about the system, monetary system that we're in, right? Because we've got fiat money that's changing; it's going to central bank digital currency. Are people going to accept that? So bearing something that's tangible in the backyard, better than currency that's falling apart. Go back to Weimar Republic, Germany, where, mm. you know, after after World War One, Germany, who was the big kid on the block, they, they bombed the living daylights out of the rest of the world, right? It's like, we won this war. We're amazing. <laughs> Look at us. And, and the Treaty of Versailles came along and said, hey, Germany, <laughs> too bad, so sad. You're not as cool as you thought you were. Um, you've got to repay all of your war debts. And they said, what? We, we can't. We spent our whole wad on winning this war, fighting this battle, right? So so they said, nope, you can't. So they abandoned the gold standard on their currency. They just started printing what was called the Renton Mark at the time without discretion to where they got billions of percent of inflation. Um, parents couldn't afford to feed their kids. They were putting them on the on the stair steps of fire stations Here's the thing, mm. bearing something tangible in the backyard, people would get paid with wheelbarrows full of cash and they would get mugged. They'd get robbed as they're going down the street with their wheelbarrow full of cash. They would dump the money out on the street and just haul off with the wheelbarrow. And people would <laughs> use the money as kindling, like to build fires with, because it was absolutely worthless. It was declining so rapidly 
See, this is what we have to put into perspective now, because since August 22nd through the 24th, when the BRICS had their meeting and they said they're going to de-dollarize the world, global demand for the U.S. dollar is diminishing rapidly. And come January 1st, it's for all intents and purposes (sighs) gone. Yeah. Because the petrodollar will be replaced by 70% of the world's population, including six of the nine largest oil producers in the world, trading in their own currencies and not the U.S. dollar. So really, we're no different at this, well, come January 1st, than Weimar Republic Germany, than Venezuela, than Argentina, which Argentina, by the way, just got a new president yeah. who's a pro-Trump hard money guy, maybe going to change things. In our economist, they've had decades of inflationary pressures and, and financial mismanagement and government collapses and shutdowns. It's like, man, this is the same path we're going on. You know, we're going down that road by choice, not our choice, but by politicians' choice. Mm-hmm. They're saying, hey, this this globalist agenda, this printing money like there's no tomorrow, this this high taxation to fund all these stimulus programs, all this dependency class and and entitlements, which is what Argentina did. They went through decades of horribleness. Now they got a president that's getting them out of it. Well, we're going into it by choice. Mm -hmm. It's like, why wouldn't you learn from history? Communism, socialism in the long term always costs more money than what it brings in. It never, never wins. But yet it's what our politicians want because it's not about prosperity anymore. It's not about creating an amazing country that will stand the test of time. It's about people control. And when you can control what a person spends, make them dependent on the government through higher prices, higher taxation, more intervention, more big brother oversight, well, then you can get votes, David. You can get votes that way because you control the masses. That's where we're headed. That's why they want it, not because they think it's the greatest thing ever since sliced bread to grow an economy, they know the opposite is true. These people are not dumb people that are putting this together. They're smart. They just happen to be evil and they want to control people. And that's what this is all about. And I think people feel this in a very real way. We're heading into Thanksgiving. I'm sure all the shopping people have already done. They kind of feel the 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 squeeze. This is the most expensive Thanksgiving in US history. It broke last year's record, which broke the previous year's record. Um, everything is, is, is more people are feeling it. Epic times did a really good special report. I, I love them. It's, it's, it's one of the few notifications I keep on my phones. Epic times, uh, they have a, you know, this premium report where they interviewed real people, Americans all the way across the board. They got a guy named, a guy named Oscar Taylor, who, uh, owns a gun shop in South Dakota called Barrett rifles in Sioux falls. Um, He's done this business for seven years and uh, they've, they've done okay. But now his wife, who's been a stay home mom and they were able to make it work is, is going to need to get, uh, go back to work full time, you know, to kind of keep up the same lifestyle without any additional spending. They kind of break down these different situations with different people. They got a, a Vietnamese guy in Philadelphia that owns a mechanic shop, you know, and, and they're going to go through his struggles, how he's adapting and, and, and dealing with it. Um, uh, there's a, a Chinese lady that owns an outdoor patio furniture named Wendy Wang in uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, one of the things they talk about is is uh, in July this year, the average American household spent two hundred and two dollars more than in July of twenty two, and a staggering seven hundred and nine dollars more than they were spending in July of twenty twenty one. So you think about that seven hundred nine dollars. If it, 
if somebody was to come to an average couple in 2021 and say, hey, uh, I got a great deal on a brand new Mercedes. You can buy this brand new car for $709 a month payment. They'd be like, oh, I'd love to have it. That's probably a great deal, but an extra 709 bucks a month for a car is just not in the budget. Well, now they're spending the $709 a month and they don't have anything for it. It's just Bidenomics. It's it's uh, the consequences um, of elections. Uh, uh, 43% of adults do not have enough in their savings account to cover a $1,000 emergency bill. Uh, 61% of adults said they're barely making uh, it, it ends meet between pay periods. Here's a, here's a staggering one. U.S. consumers' credit card debt reached an all-time high in the second quarter of 23. It's that's it's one point zero three trillion in total personal credit card debt. Here's the shocking thing: that's a forty five billion dollar spike from the first quarter of this year to the second quarter. You know, people are trying to pay off credit card balances, things like that. It didn't go down; it went up by forty five billion from quarter one to quarter two. Americans put additional money on on their credit cards. So, so people are looking for answers but it's not going to be found in the dollar. The yeah. dollar is what's slipping away and causing this. And so I think it, it, it's like, it's like they're, they're trying to row a boat with a, with a fishing net or something. It's just not, they're not going to be able to gain traction when this dollar has been intentionally destroyed. Like those two funny clips we played in the beginning, you know, they're kind of funny, haha, because you get tired of crying, but people are experiencing that in, in, in real life. And I don't think paper money and fiat is going to be the answer. We've talked about this too many times. Well, it's it's true. I mean, credit cards started in the 1970s, maybe. You know, before then, there wasn't really credit cards. Amazing thing to think about. So 70s, 80s, 90s, zeros, tens. So almost 50 years of credit cards. We went from zero to a trillion. But on this pace that we're on, we're going to add 180, 180 billion in a year. I mean, 18% in one year would take about 50 years to get a trillion. And Janet Yellen's out there literally cheering for America in a statement a few weeks ago said, America, thank you for being resilient in your spending. Even in a harsh economy, you're keeping the economy afloat, you're spending. It's like, in what world is that something to cheer about? When people are spending money on their credit cards and when, when their credit card limits max out, or when the banks run out of money and they take away the the extra available credit, like let's say David, you're you have a, a Chase credit card and you have twenty five thousand dollars worth of expenses on it, but you have a thirty five thousand dollar credit line, you still have ten thousand dollars of money to spend, right? Well, <laughs> banks banks are pulling that away; they're shrinking that down to your available balance, so they don't have to lend out any more money because they're afraid they're not going to get it right. back. So now what Janet Yellen is cheering about Americans being so resilient, they're not resilient. If they don't have a credit line, they're not going to spend because they don't have it. So all of Bidenomics policies of, of spend money that you don't have probably come to a screeching halt come 2024 and, mm-hmm. it, and it's going to be ugly, right? But they're not the only ones who, who know this. Banks know this. This is why Project Bora Bora at Citibank, the CEO mm. of Citibank two weeks ago announced internal document called Project Bora Bora that said they're going to lay off t- 10% of their workforce. That's 24,000 people because Citibank has 240,000 employees. If the economy were so robust and so amazing, why would the third largest bank in North America 
lay off 10% of its workforce yeah. it's because it's not, it's not good at all. Right. So, so then you, you look at the retail sales, they're awful. Like Christmas is going to be terrible. Walmart says people aren't buying groceries and, and consumer spending is down target, possibly the most dumb woke company in America right now, where it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't care if they don't sell anything, but, but their CEO said that they are actually not going to have much on the shelves this Christmas holiday season because people aren't buying box sales down 80%. So nothing's going to be shipped. So you look at that. It's like, man, government revenues are going to come way down. There's going to be no sales tax revenues. There's going to be no income tax revenues because if people aren't buying, companies aren't going to hire. Yeah. So that means that goes down. If people aren't working, they're not buying houses. So property tax revenues come down. There's a lot of dots to start connecting. Well, the the end result is the the central bank of the Dutch central bank spilled the beans like two days ago. So they they basically said we're actually ready to have a currency that's backed by gold. They're prepared for new gold standard, right? So this is what we have been talking about on this show for like the last year and a half, tangible money, real money. Um, and, and what did they say? So one of their, the heads of the Dutch central bank said this direct quote, if there is a financial crisis and the gold price will skyrocket and official gold reserves can be used to underpin a new gold standard, according to the Dutch national bank, then go down a little bit further. What else did they say? By saying gold will be the safe haven of choice during a financial collapse, the Dutch National Bank confesses its own currency, the euro, does not weather all storms. Well, it's like, duh. No. If fiat-based currency does not weather all storms because people ultimately lose credibility with it. It loses all of its credibility, accountability, transparency, because they print like there's no tomorrow. That's what causes inflation. So for for. The last six months, we've actually addressed central banks like the Bank of China has 5,000 tons of gold that they okay. own with the central bank. The European Union, the European Central Bank has 10,500 tons. The Federal Reserve has 8,500 tons. Iran, Kazakhstan, Turkey, um, oh, Uzbekistan, they all have like two to 300 tons each. These banks are amassing thousands of tons of gold or hundreds of tons of gold for a smaller country. But why don't they say gold and silver stink? They're ancient relics. Why would you want such a risky commodity when you can have central bank digital currency? That's that's transparent. That's 365 days a year, 24 seven easy money transfer. Don't you want that? Right. Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Yeah. They're amassing gold by the hundreds or thousands of tons and the Dutch central bank just spilled the beans saying, yep, we actually are. We're ready for a new gold standard because they know. I think, David, that they know that when it, when push comes to shove, what they have is not really what people want. And there's probably going to be opposition to big brother on your bank account, the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if your ideology doesn't match up. They know that this isn't going to be an easy path. So therefore, plan B Let's have a currency that's backed by gold because we still want to be the reserve currency of the world, but we have to have something that's real that people will like, right? Or else they don't win. So 
we're mm. entering into a weird part of the economy now where things are collapsing so fast that that answers that that we thought the globalists would never ever want are they're actually looking to something that's more stable like what we've been talking about because I think they think that their system might not actually work. Yeah. And I don't think that it is. I, I mean, mean, if you look, you, you can look at it, it's voices, not, it's not working for people. It's not. And if you listen to some of the prophetic voices out there saying that they've gone too far, the overreach has gone too far. There's going to be a pullback. There's going to be a move towards freedom globally. Right. And God's working. He's always working. He's always got his hands and things. And because he loves us and, you know, when when I see what central banks are doing, it's like, all right, that don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. If they're amassing tons of precious metals, we can't obviously buy tons. We can't <laughs> buy hundreds of ounces. Sometimes we can't even buy a, a lot. But what we can do is buy gold or silver by the ounce, right? Yep. Um, just start, do the exact thing that they're doing just on a smaller scale because that ultimately is going to protect you in time. How do I know? Because they're doing it. They're going to protect their backside whenever they can. And so that's what they're doing. You look at Russia, you look at all these countries, they're stockpiling gold. Yeah. We say China's 5,000? 5,000 tons. When when you're measuring your gold in tons, not ounces, it's a lot. That's a lot. And they're (laughs) new to the game, right? China hasn't been doing this forever. But like the European Union and and the United States have, see, the Eurozone has 10,500 tons. The the Federal Reserve has 8,500 tons. China, new to the game, already has 5,000 tons. But here's when you start to add the other countries of the BRICS nations. You know, Turkey has 600 tons. Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, a few hundred tons. Um, India has, has close to 1,000 tons. It's like, man... They're, they're on par with more gold than the European Union has, wow. who's been doing this for a long time. See, they are trying to be the world's reserve currency. How do you do that? Back your currency with gold, because ultimately that's what people are going to want. They're doing how, it really well. How David. much they, How much gold is there? Like if you put it all in a pile, how many different, like how much gold is there? How much silver is there? Like how much of these metals even exist? So all of the gold in the world ever mined can actually fit into two Olympic sized swimming pools. It's not a lot. I mean, fathom that. It'd be a lot if you had it. It would be a lot if you had it. <laughs> but there's this chart that I saw. It's it's really, really quite good. So if you if you look at this chart that shows, you know, a pictorial comparison, like aluminum is like the number one, you know, most tons of ore minted or mined in aluminum every year. And, and that's what ore. you, you and, make uh, cans out of and uh, yeah. aluminum is everywhere. And iron ore, you know, the top big one on there, even above that. I mean, that's huge, right? That's all steel comes from that, right? So so then you scroll down and you scroll down, you scroll down. It's like, oh, wait, there's gold, right? I mean, it's on the bottom line. It's just this dinky little amount. Um and and silver is not much bigger than that. Silver, silver is what twenty eight, twenty six thousand tons a year is what they what they mine, um, and gold is even less. So when you put that into perspective of all of those big things that are being mined, it's pretty rare. 
It's pretty mm-hmm. scarce, which is why I think kings and kingdoms have fought after, have have gone to war over gold. Solomon had all this gold, right? I mean, it's always been something that's been rare and scarce because it has value, because it's real. This is why kingdom, kings and kingdoms fight over it, right? Yeah. And this is why monetary systems even now are talking about backing up their currency with gold to add stability and something that's real into a system that's absolutely broken. Okay, so what's the first move people can do? They, they, they give you a call. They go to flyovergold.com. And all that is is this landing page we made to make it simple because a lot of people screw up. Is it, is it Kirk? Is it Kurt with a T? I don't remember what the deal was. Elliot, how many L's is that? It's very confusing, very stressful. And so flyovergold.com, boom, everybody can do that. It just gets you into, it gets them into your space. And so from there, they can watch videos. You got some PDFs they can download, but then they, they enter their information. My name's Bob. I live here. And then what happens? So then you'll talk to one of my amazing concierge team, which will ask you some questions, say, what are your dreams? What are your fears? What are your goals? Do you want income? Do you want growth? They'll match you up with the personality of one of my advising team. So because they want a good relationship, although the, they want you to feel comfortable, right? So then our advisors will dig in a little bit deeper, go into your goals and what you want to put together and we'll map out a strategy for success moving forward that'll stand the test of time. And then my, my team after that crosses the T's, dot the I's, you fill out 15 minutes of, of paperwork to move money if it's an IRA. You just wire funds if it's non-IRA. And once the funds get here, we'll call you. And this is where our relationship begins. Because I'll call you and I'll say, hey, we got your funds and let's get you allocated into gold or silver. Let's store it. Let's ship it. Whatever you're going to do, not a wrong answer. But here's where people kind of mess up the flow as they say, well, I've been listening to Dave Ramsey forever. And he says, buy and hold stocks and bonds for the long term. That's the best thing. It's like, he's really good at getting out of debt. He's the best of the best. But that's not good investment advice. Why? Because nothing goes up forever. Nothing goes down forever. What I like to do is identify the factors that cause trends, inflation, unsustainable debt, and um, interest rates, taxes, Mm -hmm. and you allocate into that strength. Right now, that strength happens to be silver and gold because of the inflationary world that we're living in. So where our relationship begins is where it begins. And then we'll always let you know moving forward when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge, do whatever needs to be done Mm -hmm. to make sure you minimize your risk, maximize your return every step along the way. I love it. They can also give you guys a call 720-605-3900, go to flavorgold.com. I encourage you guys do it, do it today. It takes a bit to get in the queue, set the conversation. There's, there's uh, holidays going on and it's kind of a crazy time of year. But we began this a couple of years ago of like a monthly allocation and like, what can we get rid of? And like, we, we cut, cut, cut. I'd say, I'll just, I'll be transparent. It gets cold in Kansas city. Uh, I've wanted a hot tub for a long time. Do not have one. And I think any of those kind of expenses in my life right now, I'm like, no, I'm going into silver. Literally, if I got money for a hot tub, I got money for silver. If I got money for this extra thing or whatever, like we have looked at everything in our budget. What can we scale down on what can we get rid of because it's all in on silver i think we're heading it's like joseph in the bible there's a time to do something and i think there's going to be a time of plenty you know down the road as well but it's not going to be plenty if people are holding on to things that are connected to a u.s dollar and uh if you're in silver or something that has a stability to it 
there will be a harvest time. And that's our framework as a family, Stacey and I personally, and, and most of our family, you know, as well. And, uh, you know, I'd love that we have the relationship with you. I've known you for 25 years, more than that now. And uh, you, you've literally never steered us wrong. My, my faith in you is such that if something were happening to me and I'm like, hey, I could call one person and he's in charge of everything that I have to take care of my family, I, I would trust you completely. And that's the kind of, of faith I have in you and your, your family. So uh, I love the flyover family. You know, when, whenever I'm at live events, people are like, man, I like Dr. Kirk so much. We've, we've bought silver five or six times. They get out of their mind. It's not a one-time purchase. It's like, oh, right. hey, we did this. We saved up. We had $2,000. Let's put that here. They do 500. They do whatever, but they're putting it together in a way that, that when this shift happens, they're there to capitalize on it. So I'm really thankful for this. I'm thankful that you're there to take care of people and uh, not just now, but as things move forward, because it is a relationship. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, it's, we don't take that lightly. It's a huge blessing. It's an honor to bless people. It's an honor to our goal as a team. And I just had this team meeting the other day is outserve everybody in your life, right? If you can outserve everybody in your life, you're going to win and you're going to do yep. exactly what God called and anointed and gifted you to do successfully. It's all about serving. And that's what we hope to do. We guys go flyovergold.com 720-605-3900, 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Dr. Kirk, we'll see you next time. There's not one thing that you can buy at a grocery store today for a dollar. And it feels like a scary time, but it doesn't have to be scary for us. We may not be able to control the government or what they're doing with our spending or what happens with inflation, but we can control what we do. This is one ounce of silver, but you might have bought a one ounce silver that, you know, you paid $80 for it because it had a picture of Elvis on it. It doesn't matter what's on it. This is worth the spot price of silver that day. And so it's important that you're buying silver and not stories. And number two, that you're buying it from a broker that does not charge you a commission when you go to sell it. And so I know when I go to sell it, I don't want to pay a commission based on the increase. I only want to pay a commission based on the purchase of it that day. So when I go to sell it, all of that profit belongs to our family. We've known Kirk for over 25 years. His dad was a mentor of ours when we were first married. It's a family that I completely trust. For you to be able to connect with him, all you have to do is go to flyovergold.com. There's a place you can fill out your information. Someone from Dr. Kirk's team will give you a call to set up an appointment to help to answer your questions. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Or you can call 720-605-3900. I am so glad that we did. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day.